Today, we're going to continue our series on the image of God and marriage and relationships and what that looks like according to what God desires. And, I, and before I dive into that message, I'd like to point out the points that I was trying to make last week that I hope that we were able to walk away with from last week. And that is this, as we dove into Romans chapter 1, walking away from God and having an attitude that says we don't really need God, which is an attitude that our culture has embraced, has brought consequences, grave consequences. Those consequences really rob us of the sacredness of life, the quality, uh, the, the, the sanctity and the holiness of life. And we talked about how, um, we talked about how uh, when, we, this, when we walk away from God, it really just takes away how valuable we are to God. Therefore, we don't treat each other with the value that we're supposed to treat each other. We talked about how, how do we walk away from that reality and how do we walk away from that curse and how do we work, uh, walk away from that sin sickness. We walk away from it by declaring our need for God, number one, declaring our need for God. We walk away from it by making it our business to know him, not just talk about, it, about him, but to know him, and also to live not just for ourselves, but to live predominantly, primarily for the glory of God. As we live for the glory of God, recognize that we have been created in his image, we value ourselves as God intends us to value ourselves, therefore we can value each other. It's the intention of that. Uh, that was the intention of that whole discussion. Today I want to talk to you about what it looks like to have kingdom relationships. I want to talk to you about walking in kingdom relationships, how to have healthy kingdom relationships. And I believe this relates to us, whether we're married or single, uh, whether we want, uh, or we're here and we're aspiring to one day have a healthy marriage, uh, have healthy relationships, or whether we're considering um, marriage and we're in a serious relationship, or whether we just want to do life well with other people. We want to learn to live well and to love well. I believe this message will relate to all of us. I believe strongly let me just rephrase that. I wish somebody would have sat with me and talked to me about these things that I'm going to share with you and held me accountable to these things. I wish somebody would have sat with me, talked to me about these things first and foremost, and secondly, held me accountable so that I can do life this way. I would have avoided a lot of heartache. I would have avoided a lot of pain and suffering, and I wouldn't have caused as much heartache and suffering as I've caused to those that surround me. I have I have made some relational mistakes that have grieved others. I have to take ownership of that. If I'm going to grow, i got to learn, right, where I've messed up so that I won't cause the same harm again. So these are things that I believe if we're going to walk in kingdom relationships and have healthy relationships that we have to keep in mind. Pillars, if I may. Pillars uh, of kingdom relationships. Number one, let's talk about healthy kingdom relationships. Let me just say this. When I talk about life principles like this, like healthy relationships, I'm not talking about them because I want you to have, I want us to have a better quality of life as we know it. You know, when we talk about quality life in our culture, we really mean having more money to get more things, right? So I want to kind of redeem that. I'm talking about life principles because I want us to have the kingdom dream. I want us, I want us to have a kingdom dream for our lives. The Bible says that you have been created, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, that you have been created by God with a purpose, with a work that he had in mind for you to do beforehand. And what I want to happen as we preach on kingdom principles and life principles is that you would all of a sudden awaken to the call of God in your life. 
that we would awaken to the reality that there is so much more to live for than what this world has to offer. When we awaken to that dream, when we awaken to that reality, that reality may take us to have a lot or have a little. That reality may take us to places of influence or places of poverty. Because the reality is, is that stature, according to this world, does not matter. The only, things that ma- the only thing that matters is fulfilling the kingdom dream because that's where God is and where God's called us and that's what brings us the greatest joy. So when I talk about life principles, I'm not talking about life principles that are going to get you rich. I'm not necessarily speaking negatively about having money. That's not the case. But what I am saying is that there's something better to live for than our comfort. There's something bigger to live for than our personal leisure time. So I want to I talk about life principles. When I talk about this reality, that's what I'm speaking about. I'm speaking about living the kingdom dream. We're going to live lives, again, that reflect the image of God. And all our relationships and all our doing, we're made in the image of God. So God's intention is, is that for our relationships and our marriage and our parenting in our walk with our brothers and our sisters in Christ is that we would reflect him, that we would be his representatives, and that people would be so drawn to Jesus because of the way that we do life. Remember the scripture says, Jesus speaking, they will know that you belong to me by the love you have for one another. And we just established last week, people don't know love outside of Jesus because we're taking worth out of people's life, right? But when we walk with Jesus, we add worth into people's life, and they should find the church irresistible and attractive because people love each other there. Right? All right now. You with me so far? If, we're gonna, if our desire is to walk in that kind of kingdom reality, to have those kinds of relationships, we have to make this commitment. Number one, we have to learn to be intentional. We got to learn to be intentional, number one, with our time. Learn to be intentional with our time. Do you know how valuable your time is? That time is your most valuable commodity? Ephesians chapter 5 says this, if we go to that scripture. Therefore, he says, this is Paul speaking to the church. In this chapter, chapter 5, Paul says, be imitators of God. In other words, do what you see God doing. Don't be like the world. Don't give yourself to sexual immorality. Don't give yourself to the ways of the world. Don't give yourself to pursuing the things that the world pursues. Instead, be imitators of God. And he says to the church, wake up. This is not a message for the world. This is a message for you and I. Anybody with me? Says, wake up, sleeping ones, and arise from the dead. Again, he's talking to the church. Hey, church, wake up. You're in the same place that the dead are. Wake up and Christ will shine. Christ shall give you light. See then that you walk, here's a, here's a cool word for the week, word for the week, circumspectly. Not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Now circumspectly means warily. Pay attention. It means with great detail, don't just you know, do things circumspectly is test things out. Prove them out. Don't just jump off the bridge because everybody's jumping off the bridge. Anybody with me? And then it says this, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Who is he talking to? He's talking to the church. 
So we can be the church and be foolish if we decide to. Right? But no, he says, be wise. Not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Redeeming the time. I love this translation because it does uh, service to that phrase. It says, redeeming the time. When something needs to be redeemed, it means that something is lost. When something needs redemption, it means that something needs rescuing. And the picture that Paul is trying to paint is look at the world and the way that they do life. Life is being wasted as we speak. Time is being wasted and thrown away as if it were not valuable. You, church, you have to wake up. Get busy redeeming your time. Redeem your time from the lostness of the world. And if you're not paying attention to your time, you're going to follow the culture. And this culture is lost and your time will be lost if you're not careful. Redeem your time. If you and I are going to be people who have healthy relationships, we got to learn to be intentional about our time. The time that we spend with each other. Brothers, if you want to have healthy relationships that are free from the temptations and the plans that the enemy have for you, you got to plan to have accountability time with other brothers. Sisters, you got to plan to have accountability time with other sisters. If you want a relationship with Jesus worth having, you got to plan to make time for Jesus. And I would say even more than make time. Come to Jesus and say, Jesus, my calendar and I were constantly offended. I hate that thing. Don't even know... Don't even know how to treat that. I want to give you control of my calendar. How do I do time with you? I give you permission. Show me how to manage my time. Are you with me? Show me how to manage my time. If your relationship with Jesus will be good, it's because you spend time on it. That's the whole parable of the ten virgins. You, you heard the parable about the ten virgins? Uh, that they were going to usher the bridegroom towards the bride. Uh, they, they were awaiting for the bridegroom to come for the bride. One, ten, five have o- had oil. The other five did it, and they couldn't share their oil because the oil represented the time, the relationship that they had with Jesus. You can't share your relationship with Jesus. I can't share my relationship with Jesus with you, right? That's a personal thing. It's a time investment that you got to make. If you're going to have a relationship with Jesus, you got to redeem the time and make time for your relationship with the Lord. Be in the Word. Be in your prayer life. If you're going to have healthy relationships in your kingdom, Make room for accountable relationships. People that you do, you do life with that hold you accountable. If you're going to have a healthy marriage, if you're going to have a healthy relationship with your significant other, that you're going to look at the calendar and you're going to sit there and you say, Lord, what's your strategy for our calendar? I've confessed this before, so don't judge me. But I'm terrible at vacationing. I, for some reason, vacation I'm just not the greatest at vacationing. You know, there's been times where we've gone on vacation and I have just may have not had the best attitude or, you know, I was just kind of so purpose-driven wanting to get things done that I'm not enjoying the process of vacation. So what I do, once I see it on the calendar, I start to pray, Lord, thank you, this is going to be a great vacation. Going to go to the cabin with the girls and I want to enjoy my wife and I want to enjoy my girls and I don't want to be an idiot. You know, like 2012, I was an idiot, I know. I want to enjoy this time. I'm going to be going to camp with the youth, right, for a week. I got a bracelet in my car that reminds me to pray for camp because I want to enjoy that time. I want to make a good time investment there, right? I'm praying for my time. Sometimes I pray 
for, when I talk to marriages and they're going through some tough times, I ask them, what's your calendar like? What are you guys looking forward to do together? They're like, huh? <laughs> what do you mean? Like, do you plan anything that you're going to do in the near future, say a date? Somebody, somebody really said, marriage is date? <laughs> yes. Right? What kind of time are you spending? What are you putting on the calendar that you're looking forward to? you like, you got to tell your time where to go or else you're going to follow along. If you're here today and you say, well, I love Jesus, and since I love Jesus, all these things will work out, right? Let me hear it from me really clearly. No, they will not work out. <laughs> they will not work out. You treat your calendar like that, things will be a mess. You treat your marriage like that, you won't have quality time, and you will be in trouble. All right, brother, say it with me. Say it with me. Couch. Don't be there. Okay. Now, you know, it's important that you look at your time, no matter where you're at in your relationships, and you redeem your time. Seek accountability. Seek a relationship with God. Make time for the things that matter. Put it on the calendar. Make sure that you commit to it. Your time is valuable, and you are responsible for redeeming your time. You. Number two, be intentional. If you're going to have healthy relationships, be intentional about your words. Be intentional about your words. Your words really matter. Jesus emphasizes over and over again the importance of your words. He says that we will give an account for every frivolous word that we speak. Frivolous means any word that we speak that adds no value. Words that add no value. Words that we speak carelessly, without realizing the damage that they may cause or the confusion that they may bring. Are you with me? So we have to be careful, and we've talked about this on Wednesday in great detail, about our words. And in order to do that, we got to, number one, understand that your words have value and they have authority, even though you don't even when we don't use them well, our words still have authority and value. And we got to understand that whether we speak life or whether we speak death, those things will affect people. Okay, we got to be intentional with our words. We got to make a commitment to speak life. Here's something by Greg Rochelle uh, that he wrote in the book Soul Detox, and it says this The potency of godly words can revive, heal, and change our lives. Ungodly words have the power to bind, imprison, and destroy. Creative words create, destructive words destroy. Hurtful words crush, helpful words build up. Toxic words poison, soothing words heal. Faith-filled words bring life. Faithless words, faithless words bring death. Countless times a day, when it comes to what you hear and say, you have choices to make. When you hear the words of others, you can choose to receive them as truth or reject them as lies. And every time you open your mouth to utter a word, you have the opportunity to speak life or the temptation to take it. Ain't that something? That's incredible. It's just an incredible revelation about the power of words. And, you know, I remember sharing that with a group of brothers. And a brother said to me, pray that the Lord will keep my mouth shut. You know, that I don't say the wrong things. And I said, that's half of it. Even the devil will take that deal. If you say to the devil, if you say to yourself, you make a commitment, well, I'm just not going to say anything. Well, the devil says, great. That's exactly what I want you to do, not say anything. Because if you don't say anything, you're not doing what God's called you to do, which is be like him by speaking life. 
God has given you a voice so that you would speak life. Therefore, God calls you to be intentional about the words that you speak so that when you speak them, that you're prayerful, you're mindful, and you're bringing about life in others. Right? You know what's one of the worst things that we can do to each other? Keep a word of life inside of us and not verbalize it towards one another. One of the worst things I can do to my wife and not speak blessing when she blesses me. If I just keep my praise to myself and not share it with me, I hurt her and I hurt me. And I leave her in this place of having to figure out, I wonder how he really feels about me. Right? I got to make a commitment to speak life and be intentional about that. That, that's something that may not come natural to us, but it's something that we have to train ourselves in. Consequently, let me speak on the other side. Why in the world are you listening to, speak to people who don't speak life over you? Why are you sharing what God's putting in your heart with people who don't speak life? If they don't speak life, they have nothing to say to you. If they don't speak life about their marriage, if they don't speak life about the ministry they're in, they don't speak life about themselves or their friends, they can add no value to you because the Spirit of God is not alive in their words. They are stifled in that place until they repent of their sins. Don't let people who don't speak life speak into your life. Guard yourself from the heartbreak and the anguish and the anxiety and the faithlessness that people bring by the word of death that they bring. You may say, well, pastor, how do I know if I speak life or if I speak death? Great question. Ask your wife or your husband. Ask those who are closest to you. Ask them, hey, am I speaking life? How can I speak more life? Am I speaking death? How am I doing that? And deal with it. And if you really want victory in this area, here's, here's the big key. Call me Captain Obvious if you want. But here's the big key. Somebody says to you, you're not speaking life? Take ownership of it. Don't rationalize it. Don't make excuses for it. Don't say stuff like, oh, God made me this way. God didn't make you that way. Oh, God made me this way so the church will have balance. The Lord didn't bring you to. <laughs> Doubt doesn't bring balance. Lack of faith doesn't bring balance. You know, deal with it. And be bold and come before God and say, God, I take ownership of this and I repent of it. I, I don't want to speak death anymore. I want to speak life. Deal with it. Deal with it. Speak life. Be intentional about your time. Be intentional about your words. When it comes to relationships, be intentional with your time. Be intentional with your words. Let me say this third thing. Have reverence for each other. We got to learn to have reverence for each other. Have reverence for the way that God speaks and moves in each and every one of our lives. Have reverence for the dream that God puts in each and every one of us. Have reverence for the passions that God's put in our heart. Because that's how the kingdom works, right? In all your relationships, revere the move of God. Ask God, what are you doing in their lives? Ask them, what is God doing in your life? And pray for them. Have reverence. Honor what God's doing. Celebrate, mourn, grieve with them. I got to learn now I speak to couples. I got to learn to have reverence for my wife and the way that God uses my wife. There are some things that God's given a passion to my wife for that I, I don't have passion for those things. But they're passions that God has given her. And if God's given it to her, then somehow, some way, I'm a part of that. And I can't just have a flippant answer or disregard the passions in her because it would crush her. It would discourage her. And i got to confess, there are times where God's put a passion in my wife's heart. 
And instead of me doing what the Word of God says, what does the Word of God say? Be slow to speak and quick to listen. I may have given a flippant answer that has been very discouraging. That's not what God wants for marriages. That's not what God, God wants for relationships. But instead to honor and to listen and to see. Experience. Go on the journey with them. My wife started a journey of homeschooling. And she can tell you, homeschooling was just not something that I was necessarily excited about. I was like, in a sense, really a fan of public school. You got to remember my story. I came to America happy to be here, right? Wednesday, they gave me the rectangular pizza for free with a chocolate milk and peaches. And I was like, this has to be heaven. Thank you, Jesus. And I was excited, right? I mean, that, you know, I just... Nothing in me said homeschool, nothing. My wife, you know, she starts getting into things. God puts a passion in her heart, and she begins to dream and think about homeschool. And I'm like, Lord Jesus, right? It's not my deal. You know, it's not something that I'm necessarily, it's not my strength. But you should see my wife do this. She's the boss. I mean, she's excellent at that, right? My wife's a great cook. Where there's oxen. There's also poop. It's a verse in the Bible, believe it or not. <laughs> when my wife cooks, sometimes the kitchen looks like Vietnam War happened in my kitchen. Right? It's crazy. It's like, whoa, what in the world just happened here? It's like you ever seen Daddy Daycare when he opens the door to the bathroom, he goes, dun, dun, dun. he's just freaked out, like wondering what happened in this room. Sometimes the kitchen looks like that. But when my wife makes me Dominican cake, and it's sitting there next to my coffee, that's heaven and that's heaven incarnate on my table, right? There, there's, you know, and I get to celebrate in her gift. There are going to be passions that God gives her, desires and things that aren't necessarily things that God will reveal to me right away, but I have to learn to have reverence. God forbid God put a dream in her that I crush because I don't have reverence. And because I just want to dismiss it, I say something quickly. The Bible talks, tells us a story in 2 Samuel chapter 6 where Michael had no reverence for her husband David. As David was bringing the Ark of the Covenant into the Holy Land, that meant that God was going to bless Israel, that God was going to pour out his favor on Israel. That meant that David was in the mood to speak a blessing. And Michael didn't understand what was going on. She wasn't careful to just listen. Never did, she, did a thought enter into her mind of, maybe I should ask him before I make a judgment call. The Bible says that she immediately despised David. And as David was going to enter to leave his last blessing for his wife, she meets him at the door and says, wasn't that awesome? How embarrassing. You're a king and you carried yourself that way. And I can just imagine that David was blessing everyone, and he's going into the most intimate place in his home to speak a blessing over his wife, and that's how she meets him. And he says, oh, yeah? Okay. You want to take no part in what God's doing? Then I'll go ahead and celebrate with those who will. The Bible says that from that moment, Michael had no children. In other words, she was barren. She had no fruit. Let me, let me tell you something, and I say this very reverently. We continue to treat flippantly the dream and the passion that God's put in our, our spouse's life or in our, or those that we're in relationship with. If we continue to treat with lack of reverence, we're going to be fruitless. We're going to be fruitless because it's going to hinder our ability to walk together. 
if she feels like I don't listen to what God's putting in her heart, she's going to, number one, wonder if God really spoke to her about that issue. She's going to have disdain for me because I have no reverence for her or the way that God speaks to her. And she's going to pull back and say, why would I walk with you when you don't reverence the things that God's speaking into my life? If you do that with your wife, if you do that with your friends, one day, many years from now, you're going to be alone. And you're going to say, why don't I have any friends? <laughs> I don't get it. Have reverence. Have reverence. If you're going to do relationship according to the kingdom, have reverence for each other. Have reverence. If you're going to have healthy relationships, listen to me, church. We've got to have healthy boundaries. The Bible says that because of lack of vision, people perish. Another translation would say, because of lack of vision, people throw off the restraints in their lives. In other words, when people don't have a goal in mind that they're striving for, they kind of are wild without things that restrain them to keep them in the right direction. You know, like a horse, they put those uh, blinds, you know, to keep them directed in the right direction. You and I need those guardrails. Those guardrails are given to us by Scripture. Those guardrails are given to us by the accountability that surround us. Those guardrails are given to us by our awareness of our own personal limitations. Those guardrails uh, are, are informed by the things that we know we're responsible for, right? We all need boundaries. Back to the point that we addressed in the beginning. You need to be very circumspect. You need to circumspectly pay attention to the people you let speak into your life. You need to be very careful about the people that you surround yourself with. And you got to learn. There are people that you, God wants you to allow them to speak into your life. There are people that you're going to love, but you got to love them from a distance. Can I get an amen? amen? I got some people that I love. I love me some people. I just got to love them from a distance. This is the only way I can love them. I know my boundaries, right? I know my boundaries, and if I'm going to be healthy, and if I'm going to carry myself healthy with them, then I got to love them in the distance so that what? So that we don't cross the boundaries and disrespect each other. That's just the reality of life. You're not going to be a best friend with everyone. Deal with it, right? We got to learn to have healthy boundaries, not just with relationships, but healthy boundaries with what we entertain ourselves with, healthy boundaries with what we receive as truth, healthy boundaries with the news. We got to have healthy boundaries that protect us because if we don't have healthy boundaries, we may be anxious, fearful, unhealthy, right? We're going to be what the Bible says, a city without walls. In other words, we're going to be open to all kinds of attacks that surround us, right? I remember when the Lord revealed to me, when you're reading this news, when you're reading this news, what you, this news is doing is bringing fear and anxiety into your life. You know why? Because you've accepted this news to be truth. Like, whoa. So I've learned to put that in, the, in, in its place. So I got to learn to have boundaries. Just because, and by the way, just because uh, someone is my family member, it doesn't mean that I give them permission to speak into my life. You're going to have brothers, sisters. You may even be in a relationship, you know, where it's not as healthy as it should be. Be careful. If someone's not speaking according to the Word of God, set boundaries. Set boundaries. Every healthy relationship requires boundaries. And if you're going to go somewhere, you're going to get somewhere, you're going to establish boundaries. 
number, you know, maybe you're here and you're not in a marriage, or, but you're looking forward to a healthy marriage and a, and a good relationship in the future. You know that you've got to establish healthy biblical boundaries to make sure that you don't cross that line and then make a mistake that may bring shame and guilt that the Lord doesn't want you to carry. He wants you to walk in grace and forgiveness and, and walk into your marriage free of the guilt and the condemnation that the enemy wants to put on you. Amen? Can I say that? Amen. Boundaries. Let's conclude with these last two things. If we're going to have healthy relationships, if we're going to have a healthy marriage, if we're going to lead healthy lives, we got to get a vision. we got to get a vision for our marriage, for our relationships. Let me talk to the marriages for a minute here. I have studied this for a little bit. And something has gotten my attention that God is doing some incredible things. God does incredible things with marriages that have a vision that they agree upon. It's incredible to see. I've seen certain couples, they come to an agreement on what God has for their lives. They get excited about it, and God all of a sudden opens doors for them that are incredible. Scott and Jody, they come to our 9 o'clock service, started fasting throughout the 21-day fast, and they said God, they lived all the way in mommy area, and they would come to church here. They began to pray, God, we want to be a blessing to our church, The Rock. How, you know, we want to have a home where we can open it up for small groups and life groups. And they began to pray that way for the first, for the 21-day fast. God gave them, they found a home in this area, right? A beautiful home. They came to agreement, and God blessed it's incredible. Tim and Chevy, right? They, Chevy shared a little bit two Wednesdays ago. God just put in their hearts to be a blessing there on the east side, right? And they wanted a home where they could have life groups and, and, and you know, just do life with other believers. They do that so well. They're incredible people, right? And just yesterday, I went to their home as they're moving into their new home. It's an incredible place, Right? And Tim is like, yo, we can have studies here. We can do this here. Right? He's got all this vision and God's blessing. Why? Because they're united on this. They have a dream together and they're doing marriage with a purpose. It's just, it's just incredible to see that. Sometimes, I think most times, I think what happens is we settle for less. We say, well, let's just do maintenance. I just want to have a level of peace in my home. I just want to have a level of comfort in my home. I just want to have a level of, you know, things in my home. We settle for less things instead of the vision that God may have for a marriage. You want God to begin to move? Dream big. Dream big. I, I sat with Becca and I said, man, I'm studying this and I'm convicted about this. I said, I'm being honest. Can, can I be honest? I sat when I said, we need to talk about this. So what is vision for life? We're doing ministry. We love people. What does that look like 20 years from now? Where do we want to be? Let's dream big. Where's the sweet spot? What would you like to see yourself doing, you know, 20 years from now for the kingdom? For the kingdom. What is that? You ought to sit down with those you're doing life with and think about that stuff. Because if you're not living with vision, you're living for comfort. Are you with me? If you're not living with vision, you're living for comfort. And comfort, comfort will take away your hunger for God. Are you with me? Comfort will take away your hunger for God. So set a vision. 
Maybe today you're here and you say, well, you know, we, our dream is we want the presence of God in our home. Okay, that's the, that's the goal. We want God's presence to be felt when people walk in our home. Okay, start setting, setting some goals. How do you get there? Maybe you're saying, our dream is to um, foster, foster orphans. We want to be foster parents. Okay, boom, set it. Let's begin to pray. Right? Our dream is to go to the mission field and be missionaries. Praise God. I partner with you. Let's do this. How do we get there? Dream big. But I'm finding that m many marriages just don't dream at all. They just want to maintain and hope that they find a level of peace. Martin and Dolores are here. Okay? For as long, did you notice how I said that? For as long as I've known Marty and Dolores, Dolores has always been a big person on speaking life and the power of your words. For as known as I I've known that woman, she's been wanting to have a home where it's a blessing to other women and to other people. She wants to take broken women who come from addictions. She wants to speak life and help them find God's dream for their lives and then send them out for the kingdom of God. For as long as I've, been a for as long as I've known her. And at the same time, she'll look at me and she'll look at her husband. She'll say, and Pastor, Marty, I know the Lord told me he's supposed to be speaking in the man's life, and I just believe it right now. And there were times where Marty's like, uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, there were times where Marty was like, uh-huh. Right? Like, this, that's going to happen, right? But, you know, there was nothing deterring her. There was nothing pushing her back. There was nothing that was going to change her mind, I mean, for us. And there were times where I was like, I don't know how that's going to happen. But she had faith, and she stood in the gap. And I got to say she stood in the gap. And you know what? Marty has, for the last five years, done nothing but speak to men and, and minister in prison. And many times he said, be a father to the fatherless in prison. God used him mightily to speak to men. And God just gave Dolores a property, right, with two homes. Ready? With two homes, a church, all kinds of different stuff happening there. Get this. For a dollar, right? Got some work that needs to be done, but it's happening. It's absolutely happening. You know why? Because they just, she just refused to give up on the dream. She held on to the dream, and look at what's happening. And, and you know what she's been doing until that dream happened? Having people in her home. She's had all kinds of people in her home. In every city that she's lived, in every state that she's lived, they find people. Why? Because the ministry to them is not about a position. It's about a people that God's called them to reach and be a blessing to. You know what? They got a hold of the kingdom dream, and God's changing things. What's your kingdom dream? What are you striving for? What are you breaking for right now? Are you living for vision, or are you living for comfort? What is it God's put in your heart? Are you even opening your heart to the, king, to the desire of God for you? Would you stand with me? If you're single today and not married, how does that look? How does vision look? You need to get before the Lord and pray and say, Lord, what do you want for my life? Someone say, well, I don't know. The Lord doesn't speak to me like that. Let me, let me ask you this question. You've made, been made in God's image. I believe that God already put desires in you. You're not even aware that they're there. You just got to fan in the flame certain things. Say to the Lord, Lord, show me what it is that you want me to do. 
And then ask yourself, what is something that I really would love to do for the kingdom of God? Ask yourself that. What is something that I would love to do right now for the kingdom of God? What is something that I love to see myself doing in the future for the kingdom of God? Think that way. Pray that way. Give yourself permission to dream big. And then for, for those who are single who may not be in a marriage, listen to me. Surround yourself with people who are hungry for God, who have a vision for the things of the kingdom. Don't surround yourselves with people who have loser's perspectives, people who have a vision of comfort instead of a vision of the kingdom. Surround yourself with people who are hungry. Are you with me? Hallelujah. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're here today right where you're at. You're saying, Pastor, I've not been, I've not been faithful to redeem my time. I realize that I've wasted time. Today I want to wake up and give my time to the Lord. I've not been intentional with my time. I've not been intentional with my words. I've been careless with both my time and my words. But today I want to make a commitment to be intentional with my time, especially when it comes to my relationship with God and with others, to be intentional with my words. And I want to give the Lord permission. I want to give the Lord permission to speak into my life. To say, yes, Lord, teach me how to redeem my time. Teach me how to speak life. If that's you right where you're at, would you raise your hand? Yes, God. Thank you, Lord. Right now, I thank you for my brothers and my sisters who raised their hands right now. They're saying, Lord, I want to redeem my time. I want to redeem my words. I want to be used for your kingdom and for your glory. I don't want to speak another lifeless word. I don't want to be careless. I don't want to speak things that add no value. Oh, would you show me? Would you instruct me, Holy Spirit? Repeat after me. I say yes to you, Lord. Grieve me when I speak death. Encourage me when I speak life. Make me aware of your Holy Spirit in my time and in my words. Make me aware of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And we repent, Lord God, of the things that have, we've said. We give them to you. But we don't look for, back. We look forward to the prize to which you have for us. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I realize that I've lived for comfort and not with vision. Uh, I've done my marriage for comfort, for personal gain, as opposed to doing marriage for vi with vision for the kingdom. 
Maybe you're here today and you're saying, I realize that I've done life that way. Looking for a certain quality of life instead of looking for the kingdom dream. And today I want to make a commitment and I want to declare before everyone, I will no longer live for comfort. I choose to live for the kingdom. I want you to listen. That's a hard call. That's a hard call. I want you to understand it's not that God is against comfort. But it is that comfort gets in the way of the dream of God sometimes. It is that sometimes those things just rob us of hunger and our ability to discern and dream big. So if you're here today and you're saying, I choose the vision that God has for me. I choose the dream of the kingdom before I choose comfort. That's my commitment. That's my commitment. So that if it happens, it happens. So that, so that if there's times of comfort and times of pain, there's times of wealth and times of, of poverty, it doesn't matter because I'm focused on the kingdom dream. That's what matters. That's what matters. If that's you today, you're saying yes to the kingdom dream. Would you, would you walk up to the altar right now? right now say I, I say yes I want to live for the kingdom I want to live with vision right now thank you Lord hallelujah 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 thank you Jesus word of God says that Isaiah seeking the Lord, the Lord revealed himself to Isaiah. And when Isaiah saw the awesomeness of God, the Lord said to him, who will go for me? Who will go for me? And Isaiah said, Lord, send me. I will go. I will go saying today, whether you're at the altar, you're saying, Lord, I want to live for you. Lord, I want to live for your kingdom. I want to have a kingdom dream right now. Just raise your hand and say, Lord, give me a vision for life. Give me a new vision for life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Right now, I thank you that as I look across this room, there is so many dreams represented right now. Oh, God, I thank you that as I look across this room, I see missionaries and people of influence in the marketplace. And I see parents to the broken and the homeless and the hopeless. And I see homes filled with your presence, Lord God. I thank you, God, that I see cities changed for your glory. I thank you, God, that I see marriages that are so united that they bring comfort and reconciliation to other marriages, Lord God. I thank you for men and women of God who speak prophetically. I thank you for men and women of God who pray and their prayers change. Even great things, government things, directions of entire cities and nations, God. These are big dreams because you're a big God. And I thank you, God. I thank you, God, that right now I pray. I pray right now, Lord God, Holy Spirit, stir up the gifts, the 
reveal yourself to your church. Give your people a kingdom dream for their marriage, a kingdom dream for their singlehood, a kingdom dream, God, for their lives. Today they say yes to you. Today they say yes to you. Today they say yes to you. No matter where you may lead them, they trust you. I thank you. Now let's take the time right now, just for a minute. And in your mind, just begin to verbalize and say, Lord, I want to do this for you. And I put this in your hand. Whatever it is that God put in your heart to do, I want you to right now in your mind, if you know what that is, just put it before God. Just pray for right now. Just let's just have reverence at this moment. Lord, I want to do this for you. Maybe you're here. You're saying, boy, I don't know what, what it is that I that I want to do for the Lord just yet. And I don't know what it is that God has for me, but I want to say yes to Jesus. I want to say a big yes to Jesus. But you right now, with your own word, just say yes to Jesus right now. Lord, today I thank you. I thank you, God, for imparting your dream, your vision for, for their lives. I thank you that they belong to you. I thank you, God, that you will begin to awaken them, God. Awaken them to the dream that you have for them. I bless them. God, I thank you that you would make them pillars for your kingdom. Just like Paul and Cheryl, God, that we just celebrate this morning and others here. God, that you would use them for your kingdom. For your kingdom. Give them big dreams big dreams that change the world. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Would you clap your hands? Would you, let's give thanks to God. Do I have baptisms today? Do I have baptisms today? Amen. Amen. Would you, at this time, you can just hear we have one baptism this morning we want to celebrate. Can you clap your hands today? You can sit or stand with us. It doesn't matter. Amen. We'll do this right here. Sister Stone, would you, would you help me with this, sir? Thank you. Okay, thank you. Yes, Lord. Sister Sonia, would you come up here? Amen. Amen. Yes, Lord. I know this is kind of backwards. Um, and, and that this is extended, but I, I appreciate uh, your grace throughout this time. Sonia has a special uh, just testimony of, of God's protection. And uh, I just wanted to, uh, her to share a little bit of her story. And, um, and, and then we'll go to, to, towards baptism. And we'll see. We'll try to coach her to get her to, um, get her to uh, walk this testimony out. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I think it's on now. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to talk about the opposite of what we spoke about today. 
going to speak about unhealthy relationships. As a teenager, I had a child as a teenager in high school, and I stayed in a relationship that was emotionally and physically abusive. One time, I was, I was hit so hard. that I fell to the floor. <laughs> and when I came to, instead of him asking me, do you need help or I'm sorry, he said, get up, B, you want some more? <laughs> so after being in this relationship for a while, I, I finally I went back home to my parents. And I'm blessed to have parents that yes. took me back, and I never saw that type of abuse in my home. I never, never experienced that. Never saw that anything like that. Mm -hmm. So after being home for a couple of months, you know, it was over. I was done. It was just completely done. I still wanted to get back together, and I was just done. I was just done, done, done. So when I had gone on with my life, and I was, I had gone out, and you know, I got home pretty late, and two, two o'clock in the morning, and um, I'm not, I don't remember if this night I saw him out. He was following me. I can't, I can't remember if I saw him at the club that night or not. I, I don't remember that, but I, he had been, you know, at times. I'd see him, hmm. and um, this particular night, I, I was home, or I was pulling up, and you know we had a big tree in front of our house, and I pulled in front of the tree and behind the tree because I didn't, you know, I didn't want anybody to be behind the tree, and then I looked up to the hmm. front and behind me, I looked all over to make sure no one was around, and I was like, oh, whew, thank you, Jesus, I'm home, <laughs> and um, I was walking up to go inside the house. I'm just like steps away to reaching the porch. I had a neighbor that has a big tree also. And he came from that tree and pulled me. Yeah. He grabbed me down the street. And I knew, I just knew it was, this wasn't gonna end up well. I just. I knew this was it. Let me walk that back a bit. So Sonia was just in an unhealthy relationship before coming to faith in Christ. And in that unhealthy relationship, you know, there was just, there was abuse. And she lived paranoid and with anxiety, not knowing what would happen. And there was a point where, you know, there was an encounter with this individual. And she felt, I don't know if you heard that, but she felt like she'd come to the end of her life at this point. As um, he's dragging me down the street. I was screaming for my mom, screaming for my dad. I know everybody's asleep, no one can hear me. 
And then I looked to see what the car was, because I was like, you know, I looked all over. How did I not see it? And it was at the corner of our street was a church, and he parked right in front of the church. <laughs> and there's some screaming. My neighbor that had the big tree that he was hiding behind, he came out. Mm. And he said, hey. Mm. And he got scared, and he let me go, and I took off. Praise God. And I made it home. And you made it home that day. And something impressed you is that you felt God's protection was there. And yes. as you looked at that church, you felt God's presence was there to keep you. Yes. When did you give your life to Christ, Sonia? Um, 2014. 2014. Right. She's been coming to Churchill so faithfully. And she's been growing in the Lord so strongly. Plugging into the life group here at the prayer meeting with the prayer group. And just making such steps of obedience before God that's just incredible. Stuff that people would say, well, I don't have to do that now. She's just growing in the Lord. I think it's so beautiful. I felt like, you know, I want you to share a part of the fact that you went through that traumatic experience. Because I want you to hear, God delivers from that. Are you with me? And there is hope after that. And, you know, and I was like, boy, that doesn't fit with baptism. But something when she was sharing that with me, it says somebody needs to hear that there is hope after despair, even the greatest level of despair. Sonia, we see the spirit of God in you working in your life. And just even as you affirm your faith in baptism today, it's been a privilege to see you grow in Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Bless the Lord. Would you come up here real quick? So let me ask, she's getting ready. Circumstances are huge, and they're big, and they're real, and they will suck the air off of you. I mean, they just would take the life off of you. I don't know what your circumstances are saying, but if today you commit to speak life, I believe this with all my heart, you commit to believe the Word of God, just, just turn your eyes to Him and take your eyes off your circumstances. God can do great big things in places of despair. I believe that. Would you sit right here? Father, I thank you for Sonia, and I thank you that she has made a decision to follow hard after you. And I thank you that she has a heart that says, I want to obey the Lord, and I want to do whatever the Lord calls me to. I thank you that today she's allowing herself to think of you, to dream of you, to, to think of life with peace and with joy. And I thank you for the healing that's taking place in her life right now. I thank you that she had the boldness to just share something that has been a secret or, or just uh, not known for so long. Today, she's sharing there's hope for the hopeless. Lord, I, I thank you for that, and I thank you for your grace, and I thank you that there's hope for the hopeless today. Hallelujah. So, Sonia, according to your profession of faith, it is my privilege to baptize you today in the name of the Father, the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I bless you. What you guys want to Amen. 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 Amen.
Would you stand with me today? To just, let's just raise our hands before God. May the Lord awaken you to his big dream for you. That you may live for his glory. May the power of the Holy Spirit be real in your life, in your home, and in your relationships, I pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Bless you today.